All right, well, so far in this series, this is the last in the series, we have gone over several things, several virtues that, in a lot of people's opinion, and maybe yours, maybe mine, are missing from this world, like honor, purity, loyalty, integrity. And today we're talking about gratitude, virtue of gratitude. <clears throat> you guys um, know what the generations are here? You know, the, all the generations that are going on way back when, the greatest years here, 83 and, and 2010. Is it working? No, it's not working, okay. Never mind. So back to the generation thing. Here's the greatest years, okay? So in, in 10, 2010, if you were 83 in 2010, you're part of the, the greatest years here, right? Then you got the silent years from uh, age 2000. In 2010, you'd be 65 to 82. Then you've got the boomers, the X generation, Generation X, and then the millennial, right? You hear a lot about millennials. You hear a lot about what they will do, what they won't do, all of these studies about how they're the worst generation ever and all this stuff. But, of course, every generation probably got thought that they were the worst generation. You know, every generation looks at the other one thinking, boy, you're a bunch of lazy little kids. I didn't, I didn't have it so good. Well, a lot of that might be true. But after the millennials, the next generation that's coming up here is the Z generation, Generation Z. So not only do we have millennials that we need to factor into, you know, how do they learn? How do they, what are they thinking? What, 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 what are they doing? But now you're going to have to factor in Generation Z, uh, another whole generation of kids, of people. A lot of people have called millennials and others, maybe even coming after them, you know, entitled generation. They, they feel entitled to things. Does anybody kind of think that? Or, does, or did you think the generation preceding you or right after you uh, was also that same entitled generation? That you had it rougher than everybody else and everybody below you is entitled, Right. Maybe, maybe some of that's personal perception. You, know, you think they're all entitled, but some of that's kind of true. Some of that's kind of true. I mean, I'm sure you've seen these stories here. I, I took this picture from one of the stories in a news article from Georgetown University. Um, all of these, not all of these, um, some, some people are having trouble with the election. And these people at Georgetown University went so far as to create a space for those who are having post-inauguration issues to get together and snuggle up with their teddy bears, drink their juice boxes, and play with Legos. That's, that's a serious space where you get to do that. And I'm not sure how that helps you deal with the, the guy that's the president now. I'm not sure how that works out, playing with Legos. I'm not sure. But that's what it is, to try and kind of console them and, and, and ease them into this this world that they're now a part of, I guess. Okay, I guess. I don't know. Would your generation have gone and played with Legos and drank from juice boxes and snuggled up with their teddy bears? I don't know. But I guess, you know, if it works for them, okay, fine. So they, so they do that. I, I remember growing up, and I'm not that old. I remember growing up, and things were different when I was a kid. I rode my bike without a helmet. And I'm okay with that. I was okay with that back then. And I, actually, I'm still okay with that now, actually, to be honest with you. I'll get on and ride a bike without a helmet, but I'll tell my son to put his helmet on. I'm very hypocritical in that, that way. Yeah, there you go. That's it. I don't want to pay his medical, and I don't want to get sued by anybody else out there. So, yeah. 
And I didn't ride with this helmet. This, this is kind of what I think of, of bicycle helmets. When I was a kid, things were different. I read, rode in the back of station wagons with no seat belts. Anybody ride in the back of trucks with no seat belts? Things were... Things were yeah, yeah, cars without seat belts. Is that what are seat belts? <laughs> what are seat belts? What are airbags? Yeah, all of that stuff. When I was a kid, participation trophies were not, uh, were not a thing. You either got a trophy because you won or you, you got humiliated because you didn't. But, no. but it was a good learning lesson, too, on the other end of that. If you don't win, it's a good learning lesson. That, gratitude. Gratitude, being, being thankful for what we get, not feeling entitled, not feeling like we're, we're here for everybody to cater us. Go over to Luke 17 again in your Bibles. <clears throat> That's where we started off with the, with the sermon or the, the scripture reading, Luke 17. <clears throat> in this attitude of gratitude that we're going to have, Luke 17, if you don't have your Bibles with you, you got it up there. And it came about, he was on his way to Jerusalem that he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, just stop for a second and think about them and their plight. Leprosy is a bad disease. Very bad disease. And think about where these men are. Where do you, where do you go in that in that area, in that, in that culture, in that, in that environment, when you have leprosy? Do you get to walk around in the cities? Do you get to, do you get to go and mingle with people? No. <laughs> You're out. And you need, to, you need to even announce yourself. The Old Testament talks about announcing yourself. You know, I've got leprosy. Watch out. I'm, I'm, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. You think about their, their physical pain, but then there's also a social aspect to this as well. Not only are they physically separated, but now they're socially separated from family, from friends. How long have they been separated? How, how long have they been only able to talk to nine other guys that have leprosy? And after a while, doesn't that get boring? You want some more interaction. You, you miss your friends. You miss your family. And these guys see Jesus, and they've obviously heard about him because they cry out to him, and they know that you can take care of our problem. So let's go, let's go get him. So they call out to him there in verse 14. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And it came about as they were going, they were cleansed. All of them. All of them cleansed. And again, I mean, going from being completely cut off socially and physically to Jesus telling you, turn around and just go to, go to show yourselves to the priest. You're not even clean yet. You just go turn around and you go. And then you become clean. Can you imagine the joy? And the, and, the, and the awe, I, I think they would be feeling all of a sudden they're cleansed, completely clean. It's not a gradual thing where they just kind of gradually got better. They're just, boom, they're, they're clean. And nine of them keep walking, don't they? And one of them comes back. Now one of them, verse 15, when he saw he'd been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. What do you guys think of the other nine? What's running through their head? Ingrate. Ingrate? Okay. That's, that's a common thought. I've, I've thought ingrate too before. They're excited to go home. Excited to go home. Yeah, I, I was wondering too, if some of this, I, obviously they should have turned around and praised God too. They should have done what that one did. 
But I'm wondering, too, if, they, if they're part of their, their human emotion is, we're clean. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going home. I'm going to see my family. I'm, I'm going to be back to normal. And they get caught up in the normal, excuse me, normal human emotion that I think I might be feeling if all of a sudden I was cleansed from something that was killing me. So on one hand, yeah, ingrate. But on the other hand, I can understand a little more too that, man, sometimes I get caught up in emotions and I'm so happy, I'm so ecstatic that I miss the bigger picture. Have you ever seen somebody on Christmas morning, especially children, opening up a present and then being so excited over their present that they don't thank anybody? They don't say thank. They don't stop to say thank you, but they're, you can tell they're excited about the present. But they are just caught up in their own little world and excited. I don't know how many times I've had to remind my kids, say thank you. I, I feel I'm waiting for that thank you as a parent. I'm looking at them thinking, okay, the thank you's coming. Thank you's coming. Thank you's not coming. <laughs> Get that thank you out, kid, to my mom and dad or my, your grandparents. Thank them. Because you look like an ingrate, and by extension, I look like a bad parent. Thank them. <laughs> I don't like to look like a bad parent, even if I am a bad parent. I don't want you to see me being a bad parent. But thank, thank them. Stop and say thank them. Hey, do you write cards on Christmas Day or Christmas after Christmas Day? Thank you cards. Does anybody write those anymore? You write cards? Okay, if, if, if she's the only one here, then there's one person in this group that writes thank you cards. Anybody else? You do, okay, you do. Okay, so now, now some people are being honest or they're just too embarrassed in their line. Okay, so three people. Even three people. That used to be a common thing though, didn't it? I remember my mother making me sit down and write thank you notes all the time. I hated doing it, and that's probably why I didn't pass it on to my children. But thank you cards have kind of gone out the window, too. We just say, well, thank you. A quick thank you, and we're done. Quick. Maybe we do it by email now. I don't know. We don't do it by snail mail anymore, that's for sure. Or at least it's not very common. Who does that anymore? Do you thank your teachers? Did you thank your teachers growing up as students? At the end of the year? Never? I didn't either. But my wife, because probably because partly because she's a teacher. She, she has our kids, had our kids give something to their teacher every year to say thank you. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for not killing me this year. Thank you for not destroying me this year. I, I, but I wouldn't have thought of that had I not married her. I wouldn't have been doing that because it doesn't come to my mind. That's your job. Okay, you're doing your job. Great. All right. I wouldn't have thought to thank her or him for instructing my child all year round. That's a good practice, good thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's kind of like waitresses, why, right? Why tip? I mean, they get paid to do it, right? Never mind. Okay. Yeah. Well, we could we could technically thank almost anybody for doing what they do. Thank you for doing what you do, even if they're getting paid to do it. Thank you for being nice to me. I. I I, I wanted to say something to a lady in Safeway that I always go to because she always has such a, a smile on her face. She's so polite. She's so kind every time. And I don't always see that in checkers and, and people you deal with. Sometimes they're grumpy. Sometimes they're like me on the other end of the spectrum and, and irritated. You can tell they don't want to be there. So thank you for being there. Thank you for being polite. Thank you for being kind. 
Thank you for just being so upbeat. That's awesome. I'm, I'm grateful for that. I want to show my gratitude to you because you treat me nicely. You treat me with respect. You treat me with dignity. I love that. So, yeah, we could technically thank anybody. Paul's grateful mindset. I want to show you Paul's. We looked at the, the nine and the one. Look at Paul's. This is Romans chapter one. If you have your Bibles, you can go over there, but I'm just going to read these two verses here. I'm going to flip over there because I like reading it from here. 1, 14 and 15. This is right before he tells you that the gospel is something that he's not ashamed of. And now he describes why he does what he does. Verses 14 and 15 kind of give you the thrust of why Paul is who he is and how he handles Christianity as well as how he handled Judaism. I think he felt the same burden before. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. This this under obligation or this I am a debtor. I am a debtor to both Greeks and barbarians. I, I owe a debt to you. That is, that, is a, that is a gratitude, I think. It, it comes from his gratitude. Him owing the gospel comes from the gratitude of his former life. What was he doing before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus? This man is, is responsible for persecuting the church of God. Murdering Christians. I, I think it was more than just one, more than just Stephen when he talks in Acts and he gives his defense. He says he murdered more than just one. His language indicates there's more than one that you could lay at the feet of Paul. And if it's not murder, it's I put them in jail. And this guy who put them in jail and murdered families or murdered people that believed in Christ are now, is now going to people and saying, Christ is the answer. This man, his, his obligation is so deep because of where he came from and what he was doing before. Now, I have, I have not, I have to be honest with you, I, I talked to, to someone not too long ago about this feeling of coming in from the world or being kind of brought up in the church environment. I was brought up in the church environment. My parents went to services. My parents still go. My grandparents went. And so I was brought up in this environment. I don't want to say raised in the church because I came to terms with my faith and, and God in and, and my own pace. But I was raised around this stuff. And I, and I wasn't feeling that same pull that I hear from other people who were not raised around it. And have witnessed and maybe done and, and gone through all of this stuff, this, this pain, this, this hurt. And, and feel this obligation to tell their story once, they're, once they've found Christ. And I, sometimes I feel guilty about that. I shouldn't feel guilty about it, but sometimes I do. Because I don't feel that same burden sometimes. That same obligation. I don't know. I don't know how you feel. If, if you were raised around it does, it, does it feel different than when you see somebody walk in and say, I've never, I've never really understood this. But I come from here, and they understand the gospel. They're, they're immersed in the Christ. They have their sins washed away, and then, boom, they're a brand-new person on fire for the Lord. And I look at them, and I think, I, I didn't look like that after I was immersed. I, did, I didn't feel like that. I, at least I don't think I felt like that. And I feel a little envious of their, their passion and their zeal. 
Their their gratitude for what God has done for them is overflowing in their lives. Not that that we are less grateful for what God has done. It comes out in different ways, but I I sometimes wanted to pour out in that that Pauline way of, I I owe a debt to the Gentiles. I owe a debt to everybody I meet because of where I came from, what I did before. I know who I was. I know who I am now. I'm going to step out on a limb here, and I'm going to start a... A thing. I don't want to give you too much information because I want to see if you guys can follow me. <clears throat> and if you can't follow me, I'm going to look like a fool. But it's, it's something that we all probably have heard many times and you probably have in your subconscious, con- conscious, but you do not know it or you wouldn't think of it right off the bat. So let me start it off. And then for those of you who know what I'm doing, pick up with the next line, okay? I have a structured settlement, but I need cash now. Eight seven seven cash now. Eight seven seven cash now. Yes. Okay. Some of you follow along there. Thank you. I it's it's my money and I want it now. Call JG Wentworth. Eight seven seven cash now. I got that in my head. Every once in a while, I don't know why I sing it, but I do, because it's a catchy tune. Especially if I see the commercial. It stays with me for a little while. And hopefully it stays with you now. It's my money, and I want it now. I, I get so frustrated sometimes with things. My wife will want to go through the drive through at a restaurant, McDonald's or Burger King, and I will make sure I say, you know what you want before we get in there, right? And she'll say, sometimes she'll say yes, and sometimes she'll say, no, I need to think about it. I said, well, then we're not doing the drive-thru. <laughs> the drive-thru is for people who know what they're doing. You get in, you get out, you're on your way. That's what the drive-thru is for. It's not for sitting there in front of that sign and deciding what you want. I, it gets so frustrating. I sit behind people that, that are deciding like they've never been to McDonald's before and they can't figure out what they want. Go inside. I've got things to do. That's what the drive through's for. Seconds, people. We got seconds. <laughs> I'll get lunch somewhere. It may be by myself, but it'll be fast through a drive through. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it might be a man thing. I don't know. True, true. Get in, get out. Yes, but you know, in reality, even when I'm sitting behind people that are deciding, it really doesn't take that long in terms of time. I mean, it's not that much, and I could probably not even stress over it, and I'd be just fine. But instead, instead, I, I still get up to that drive-thru, and I'm thinking, you have just ruined the rest of my day. I had a plan, and you are in the way of my plan. It, I get so, so, we get, I think as a people, we probably are used to things happening quickly, email quickly, all these things quickly, you know, instant, almost instant gratification nowadays, and, and when that doesn't happen, well, I, I get... I get miffed. I get a little frustrated because it's not happening now. When my computer doesn't work, like that thing just happened. I'd like to have that happen now. I don't want any embarrassing moments standing up here waiting for things. 
then things happen, right? And what are we going to do there? Go, go over to Luke 15. I've got it again up here on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Luke chapter 15. Here's another example of ingratitude and wanting something now. Having that same kind of attitude that we can have here today. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. Now, you guys know this story, right? What is the, the prodigal son, right? And he's going and he's asking for his money. And we've already talked many times about what he's really saying to his father. What, he, what is he really saying to his father, Carl? I want what is due to me. I, and, and, and technically, what you don't get what is due to you until dad dies. And so his dad is not dead yet. And he's saying, well, I wish you were gone so I could have what I want right now. Because I want what I want right now and I want to use it right now. And that's technically what he's saying there. And the father doesn't say, well, you know, you got to wait till I kick off, son. Sorry. No, he says, okay. And he gives it to his son. He automatically wants what's coming to him. So many times I think we automatically assume we're going to live at our parents' status. I, I, I did that growing up. I remember how my parents lived. And when I got out of the house at first, living with the way I lived, I thought, why am I not doing better right now? Why am I not living better right now? And one day, as, as stupid as this sounds, it finally hit me. Boy, you've got to work for what you need. <laughs> You're gonna, it's going to take some time to get this stuff. My, my parents were working. My parents were, why do I expect right now? And that was actually a, a come-to-Jesus moment for me there. A, wow, I need to shape up a little here. I need to change my attitude. I, I, I can't expect things just coming to me. i got to go out there and get them. i got to work hard. i got to be dedicated. i got to move. Uh, I remember sitting in my grandparents' house. And my grandparents, if they were anything like your grandparents, they would eat everything. When you, when you had a bird, they would eat everything. The gizzards, the everything. And they enjoyed eating everything. And they enjoyed telling me why they ate everything. Because when they grew up, they didn't have enough. And they wanted to eat it, and so they ate it all. And they wanted me to eat all of that stuff, too. That didn't happen. It's, Unless, unless I get into a situation like they were in, I'm not eating the gizzards and all that stuff. You can have them. I remember them repairing things. How many times do we repair things anymore? We just throw things away nowadays. My grandfather repaired everything he got his hands on. I don't repair things. Just get rid of things. I'm, I'm that instant gratification. I'm that, I want it now. I, I think it should be owed to me. Why am I not at the status that my parents were at? I'm all there, just like this prodigal son was. I want what I want, and I want it now. Right. And I don't care what happens. Now look at verse 29 of Luke 15. So much for the first son. What about the second son? Because after the first son wakes up, comes to his senses like I did at some point in my life, and maybe you did at some point in your life, and realize this is not working out. I've got to change my behavior. I've got to change what I'm doing. He comes to his senses, comes back home. The father says, I'm, I'm glad you're home. Welcome you home. Puts the robe on him. All these things. <clears throat> Verse 29, talking about the older son. He's angry and not willing to go into the party that his father's having for his son. And he says in verse 29, look, 
For so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a kid that I might be merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with harlots, you killed the fatty calf for him. Oh, so you go from a man, a young man, who says, I'd really rather you be dead, Dad. Give me the money I'm owed, and I'm going to leave. Him coming to his senses and coming back to now this older son, who has been there, who has been doing what he's supposed to be doing, saying to his father, this is what I've been doing, and now I'm angry because you're so welcoming and so forgiving of this idiot kid that, that spent all your money, spent it in the wrong way, didn't care about anything. But I've been here all this time, and you haven't done any of that for me. Where's the love coming from that direction? I deserve to be celebrated. I deserve it. There's, you see, there's a sense of entitlement on both ends of the spectrum here. There's a sense of entitlement on the younger son. There's a sense of entitlement on the older son. I deserve that. I deserve that. Both of them are, are having trouble with, with realistic expectations and what they deserve. And what their father owes them, supposedly. People that get out of school nowadays, right now, and they want the highest paying job they can get, don't realize they have to start from the bottom up. I deserve to have that because I'm smart. I'm, I'm young. I deserve that. That's, it's, it's something you work for. I remember, I'm going to reveal a little bit about me again. I remember preaching many years ago about wanting a flat screen TV using it as an example of wanting and possessions. But I, I do, I did want a flat screen TV. I had one of those, you know, the big ugly things that used to be in everybody's home. And I wanted the flat screen TV. Well, I've got one now. But now they've come out with 4K. <laughs> Curved screen, beautiful, thin, thin TVs. And I don't have one of those yet. And so now I am on the hunt for one of those. It seems like there's always something else you could go out there and get. No matter what you get, the next one's coming down the pike. And it's usually coming pretty quick. Quicker than my pocketbook fills up, it comes. <laughs> it's always out there. But do I need more? Do I need to be pursuing that? Do I, need to, do I feel like I deserve that? Because everybody else is saying how awesome they are, how wonderful they are. Do I deserve one of those too? Do I deserve a TV at all? Well, maybe not. Get down to what's really important. In fact, my, uh, when I think about those things, I remember what my grandmother told me. She told me to spit in one hand and to wish in the other and to see which one filled up first. Every time I said, I wish this, I wish that, that's, that's, the, that's the line she would say to me. Spit in one hand and wish in the other and see which one fills up first. She must have had that told to her many times because she, she had it ready every single time I said it. So true. So true. It fills up with spit pretty quick the day I did it. Here's some scriptures here I want to I end with here. Philippians 4.11. Not that I speak from want. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Anybody, anybody ready to say that with confidence? Not that I speak from want, but I, I've learned. It's a learned thing, isn't it? Being grateful, having that gratitude is also a learned thing. 
It's, it's a learned process of being grateful for where we are, having gratitude about what we've been blessed with, where we are and, and whose we are. Not having that sense of entitlement or that sense of you owe me, but being great, grateful for where we are. A learned process. Ecclesiastes 6.9, what the eye sees is better than what the soul desires. This too is futility, futility and striving after wind. What the eye sees is better than what the soul desires. <clears throat> Proverbs 15, 15 through 16. All the days of the afflicted are bad, but a cheerful heart has continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. That's good. That's true. But so many times, oh, I, I just don't remember that. And I'm not grateful. I don't have that attitude of gratitude. I don't, I don't have a gracious attitude at all. I'm going to end with Psalm 146. I don't have it up on the screen for you. So if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, go to Psalm 146. <clears throat> Talking about being gracious, having an attitude of, of gratitude. <clears throat> In every aspect of our life, here is something that you can focus on when we're thinking about gratitude. Here are some words to put into your mind, to put into your heart. Kathy asked on Facebook this week about what's your favorite Bible verse, and we had some people answer favorite Bible verses. It's always good to have verses memorized, to have on the tip of your tongue, so when, when you start feeling a certain way or, or come into a certain temptation or something pops up, you've got something ready. Here's one that can help with that attitude. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, the Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow, but he thwarts the way of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. Thy God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. There's something to keep in your mind this week, Psalm 146. But another thing to keep in your mind is Romans chapter 5. Because if we're talking about, I, I, get, I need to get what I deserve. I want what, I, what I'm owed. If we say that to God, and if we say that down here and we're not grateful, we're, we don't have that gratitude, Perhaps we're missing what we really are owed and what we really have been giving. given. Excuse me. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, start in verse 1 with me. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, in which we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. 
Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now listen to verse 6 here. For while we were, what? Still helpless. At the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Look at what we were, what we deserved. I deserve to die in my sins. But because of God's grace and his mercy, I don't get what I deserve. When I think about being gracious and having this attitude of gratitude, I need to go back here. Forget the TVs, forget all the other stuff. And let's deal with what's important. Sin and our relationship to God. And thank God he didn't give us what we deserve. Thank God he's willing to give us what we don't deserve. He demonstrates his own love towards us. And Christ died for us. For if while we were us nine, much more than how, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. We owed a price, a price that we couldn't pay. For if while we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God. Through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. He has paid the price that we owed. We no longer have to worry about that price. Today, I want you to leave. And the end, at the end of this series, at the end of all of these things that we've talked about, honor, purity, loyalty, integrity, and gratitude, understanding what we really are deserving. We deserve nothing, that we, nothing of what we got. We got the blood of Christ. We got God's love. But we don't deserve that. Having this attitude of gratitude starts there. Starts with understanding who we are, who we are in Christ, and who we are without Him. If we're sitting there in our sins and we have thought, and we have thought I'm, I'm a good person, I'm owed something. I haven't, I haven't murdered, I haven't killed, I haven't done those, those big ones. I'm owed something. God's looking at us and saying, no, I don't owe you a single thing. But I sent my son. I sent my son for him, for you, to die on the cross. And if you understand that, then you can take advantage of my grace. You can come. You can be washed. And you can rise to that new life in Christ. And that should make us the most gratitude-filled people in this world. That we are washed with the blood. Every day is a new day. A gift from God. And we need to live it with an attitude of gratitude. If you don't have that attitude today, I hope you work on it this week. Psalm 146, Romans 5. Read those. And think about your attitude. If you're sitting there outside of Christ and you're, you're wondering, doesn't God owe me something? We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to share with you what God really owes you. But what God is willing to give you. Won't you do that this morning? as we stand and as we sing.